The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Thrilled to be breaking down some combine action here on this Monday as things heat up or rather cool down in Indianapolis. Uh, I hear it's cold there. I'm not there. And that's fine. Ryan Wilson is there. Chris Trapasso is there. Well, they're not there. They are there right now. As I'm talking to you guys, you're not there. Um, but you are heading to Indianapolis for the Combine. We recorded this on Friday to take a look at all the stuff that will go on uh, throughout the week. What's going on, fellas? Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Will? What's up, Ryan? Um, not much. I hope you guys enjoy some steak and some shrimp cocktail. Oh, yeah. Say like, almost. I might eat nothing but shrimp cocktail all week long. At there a you breakfast. go. Uh, we'll be doing Combine coverage throughout the week. Ryan Wilson's going to be holding it down from Radio Row or whatever. Is that Radio Row? I guess it is Radio Row. Whatever the little thing in the Lucas Oil Convention or the Indian, Indian, Indianapolis Convention Center. Um, you'll be chatting with, with Pete Briscoe and, and whoever else is there. Uh, let's walk people through very quickly what is different about the combine coverage this year because it is extremely different, isn't it? Traps. Yeah. I mean, this is the first year that they're. Kind of typical NFL moving everything to prime time that normally you would, or someone like me, a draft nerd would turn on the TV at like nine in the morning and you would see offensive linemen, uh, doing a bag drill or running the 40 this year. Everything, all the workouts are from Thursday to Sunday starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time to get into that quote unquote prime time slot. Not going to get done until 11 o'clock, which is going to make for some late nights before you go out and get that shrimp cocktail. So that's like the big difference. I think it's going to help out. The players a lot too, because a lot of the guys used to say that they were up at like five in the morning getting medical checks and then working out when they weren't fully awake. So I think we could see better performances across the board actually working out later in the day. Also, Brinson, I don't know if you know this. In fact, I didn't know it until earlier on Friday when, when Tommy Tran texted me. Sixteen new drills at the combine. Yeah, uh, they're going to do it with uh, ten of them. Humble, humble brag that you and Tommy Tran text. I didn't know you guys were that tight. Well, listen to this. You'll love this even more. Tommy texting. Tommy grew up in Fresno, California. Yeah, he lives in Fort Lauderdale now. He's the, one of the anchors at CBS Sports HQ, Daily Sports 24-7. Our 24-7 streaming sports network. If you're going to do one thing at CBS, it should be the Pick 6 podcast. But then, like, you know, maybe, like, the second best thing would be HQ. 
you know, if, right. if, if, you're into, if you're into this brand. Anyway, carry on. Tommy will be in Indianapolis as the uh, on-site anchor. He grew up in Fresno, lives in South Florida now. He texted me on Thursday and said, hey, uh, what type of boots are you bringing to Indianapolis? I checked the weather. I said, Tommy, it's going to be. Oh, in- Tommy's going to Indianapolis. Uh, yes. He That's great. That's I awesome. Thought- <laughs> the whole crew down there. I thought you knew that. Sorry. Whole office. But my point is. You got a whole, you got 40 people down there. That's fantastic. If only there were 41. Um, uh, my, as part of my humble brag with Tommy T. You, you need boots in Indy, though, for real. No, you don't. That's my point. He, he was like worried about his feet getting cold. It's going to be 45 degrees until like Thursday night or something. But, oh, really? Oh, that's not bad at all. Right. So my, I was making fun of him for never having seen snow before. Turns out he sees snow on the, uh, on this, on the mountain when he skis and, and, and that's it. But. That's it for Tommy T. 16 new drills, doing it with 10 of them. Uh, they're going to throw a lot more fades. To quarter, quarterbacks are throwing the fades. The tight why, are they, why are they doing this? I think to make it a, a primetime spectacle. I think that's primarily what this geared, this is geared towards. Uh, Chris mentioned that it, it'll be better for the players in terms of uh, their biological clock and working out. There's uh, some conversation that some players, like uh, the, the guys who are likely first-round picks, they may not participate just because they don't know what to expect and why be the guinea pig when – Someone yeah. else who's trying to make the team or, or get drafted and eventually make a team can be that guinea pig. So we'll see how this this sort of shakes out. But, uh, again, this is all geared towards television, just like the draft has moved towards it being a television spectacle and less um, media-friendly, which is fine. But that's the reality of it because, at the end of the day, eyeballs on the television is what uh, keeps this thing afloat. Yeah, I don't really have a pr- – I mean, I understand. I, I, again, like, this goes back to the same discussion we had uh, last week on the podcast talking about, you know, moving the, uh, you know, expanding the playoffs and making it 17 games of the regular season. Like if it's, if I'm in charge, it's not happening just cause I don't like it. it you know, if I, it, well, I take that back. If I'm in charge, it is happening cause I, I, I like money like the NFL. So I get what they're doing. They're, they're making the, they're expanding the ability to monetize a very important product that has become increasingly important in terms of the, in terms of the eyes of the casual fan. I think 15 or 20 years ago, nobody gave a crap about the combine. Um, and now it's, I mean, it's, you know, people like, I, I think it really is incredible, like how you talk to like an av- a casual fan and they're, mu- they're much more in tune into like, Next level draft prospects. I mean, everybody knows the quarterbacks, of course, but I think, I think it's just a, the depth of knowledge across the board for the average fan is, is wildly different. Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, as you're talking about the, 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 um, combine was sort of a niche sport. It was like, um, like hockey was maybe 15 years ago, um, just as in the U.S. as a whole. But yeah, now people are really into it. People watch it uh, as traps were talking about. People watched it during the, the, the weekend mornings, and now you have a chance to watch it in prime time. I'm sure the NFL is expecting a huge ratings boost. We'll see what happens, but um, that's the plan, man. Yeah, and how about the fact that my job exists? Like, I'm an NFL draft analyst year-round. Ten or 15 years ago, there was not enough uh, desire to, to take in draft content pretty much year-round for this job to exist. So I'm happy that the NFL has expanded everything with the Combine over the last decade because it's created this kind of vertical from regular NFL fantasy, and then NFL draft is kind of its own monster. You guys will have to tell me because I won't be there, but I'd be curious to see how this changes like the nightlife situation in, the, in Indianapolis. You know, typically speaking, you would have all these drills and everything would be done by five or six o'clock. I mean, you know, they have guys maybe test a little bit later, uh, but you know, they do interviews in the evening, but the coaches and GMs would be out, um, you know, talking, meeting. And then, you know, it, you know, like it's possible that until like midnight, 
you know, you don't have anybody out at the bars. And at that point, these coaches and GMs might be like, man, I'm just, I'm, we're just, you know, we're going down here. You know what I'm saying? Like they might not, you might not have as much exposure to the personnel people out and about in the town of Indianapolis as you have in years past with this change in the schedule. So I'll be curious to see how that works out. On the other hand, you know, football people like beer. So, you know. Yeah. No, it, it'll be a, an interesting mix. Um, you'll be sad to hear this, but um, I was supposed to go to an AJ party on Thursday, but I'll be doing HQ at 11 p.m., so I will miss Eight. that. Oh, on th- and then, well, actually, and then on Thursday night, you'll be recording a podcast with me. That'll be earlier. I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've heard that schedule either, but you you got that. Yeah, that'll be the that'll be the dessert. I won't be worried about that. But at 11 p.m. is when, as Chris mentioned, that's when the the drills wrap up on on Thursday. So that's that'll be something new. That's the annoying thing. Is like you couldn't have done them like at five, five to like nine. <laughs> I mean, like it's, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's whatever. You're making money. Uh, there's also a bunch of. Did you mention all the all the different drills that they added? The, I touched on a few. The fade route. I, I sent you the link there. I don't know if you opened yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. They're um so the yeah you know, for the receivers and tight ends. They they got rid of the toe tap drill. They're adding the end zone fade route. Offensive line. They're doing a new mirror drill and a new screen drill. Defensive line are doing the run and club drill and the run the hoop drill. Uh, they got rid of the stack and shed. Linebackers are doing shuffle, sprint, change of direction, short breaks, uh, short zone breaks, and they got rid of the pass drop for linebackers. And then uh, for defensive backs, line drill, the Terrell Austin drill, which is uh, you know former defensive coordinator, now the Steelers secondary coach. First, a player will backpedal five yards and open and break downhill at a 45 degree angle before catching a thrown ball. Then a player will backpedal five yards over to 90 degrees and run to the first coach and break down. Then plan to turn around 180 degrees to run towards the second coach and catch a ball from thrown by a quarterback before reaching the second coach. You might want to watch on Sunday. That's the defensive backs, but they'll be doing it. Um, and uh, running backs will also be doing the Deuce Staley drill, uh, where you just run up and down the field. You're like, Deuce! <laughs> when uh, Deuce played for the Steelers back in 2004, I used to call him the game day sweatpants because he was always hurt. He'd stand around sweatpants during the game, so maybe you wear sweatpants when you do that drill. CBS, CBS's Wilson calls out Eagles running back coach, Deuce Staley. Cormac Soft. Soft, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Traps, do you, do you believe that, I mean, I know, I know what you're, I know that you're not gonna, I know that you're not going to like tell me that there's no value in the combine because, you know, again, like you like your job, you're not going to be like, yeah, I mean, really, it's pointless. Like there's no reason to be there. Um, do you think that the, at this point that the combine and its value to teams in terms of evaluation and the evaluation of prospects in general, is it overblown, underblown? Has it settled in just about right? What do you think? No, I think it's, it's pretty huge. I think. The casual NFL fan could, like, kind of knows now, okay, the 40 yard dash, like, I want to watch that. And that's the only timed event that's shown in its entirety that they know that it's kind of overrated. Um, and the same token, I think it's huge. We have 20 years of full combine data now, so you can really compare over a gigantic sample size. Um, so I think that's important and not every single great athlete ends up becoming a good player, but there are very few really bad athletes that are really good players. So you kind of get a little check mark or you put up a red flag. If you like a guy's film, but he tests like in the bottom 10 percentile at his position, or if you didn't like someone's film, but he tests through the roof, you kind of go back and say, not only am am I going to maybe push him up around, but is, does he have a better chance that I thought initially of being a really successful pro for a long time? So I think being able 
to quantify everything when everyone watches film and interprets it differently to like point at numbers. I think it's really important. I think with the analytics push, I think it's, it's vital for all 32 teams. I'll just, I'll just say this and you were, as you're reading off those new 16 drills they're doing, Brenton, it's clear to me that those drills are geared towards people who want to sit at home and watch yeah. sort of athletes move gracefully. Because you can get these numbers at pro days and at personal workouts and even going to, to the, to the colleges, but that's sort of beside the point. It's, it's sort of a, you know, an off season spectacle and, um, that's the plan. It's one more big thing to do in the off season to keep your attention away from NBA and major league baseball and college basketball. And, um, I get all that as, as, um, traps was talking about crappy athletes playing in the NFL. I decided to look up Philip Rivers NFL combine numbers. How, how dare you? Do you want to take How a, dare you? What do you think his 40 time was? Uh, five two. Ah, five five point oh eight. So he's faster than you. Um, he didn't do a lot else. Just <laughs> the vertical, the broad jump. Um, his wonder lick was thirty out of fifty. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't really care. Um, but yeah, he he ran a five just just over five second flat. So not too bad for Philip Rivers. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, Philip Rivers taking shots at Philip Rivers. Uh, which, um, for you guys, Chris, are there certain drills that you focus in on? I know, like, it's, um, we've seen sort of a sea change in terms of what people, t- like, you know, for years, it's like, how do you run, like, Ryan, you know, it's just this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, how do you, did you, yeah, how do you have Rivers run the 40, right? Like, you know, Rivers 40 doesn't really matter in terms of how Philip Rivers is going to play. So I'm curious if there are drills that you focus in on that you think are more important in terms of evaluation. Yeah, probably the most vital individual drill for a specific position would be the three cone drill for edge rushers, that there's like a pretty strong correlation. If you're not, at seven seconds or faster at the edge rusher spot, like the chances of you ending up being a high quality pass rusher are like dip dramatically. So that's a huge drill. And then kind of the mirroring drill of that or position offensive tackle that there's not, unless you're like Orlando Brown gigantic, there's not a lot of offensive tackles um, that in the three cone drill don't test relatively well compared to their contemporaries. And then obviously like the 40 and the jumps vertical and broad jump that obviously measure explosiveness for wide receivers and cornerbacks you can really tell from those drills where guys will likely to be slotted uh in the first second third round you're not going to have a lot of four six um wide receivers in the first round cornerbacks they pretty much have to be between uh below four four five these days so you kind of got to look at the entire workout but uh definitely the three cone for edge rushers and offensive alignment and then the linear explosion drills 40 vertical and broad jump for the receivers and the corners i'm actually pretty simple i just love the i like watching people run the 40 <laughs> me too yeah. uh, I, I like watching the wide receivers because i mean henry ruggs and jalen rager might break four three and that'll be a big story even if at the end of the day five years from now no one cares um the running backs actually don't if running backs run four six that's fine you can be a really really good running back run four, I mean, do you think that the 40 matters for a, a wide receiver Yes. I don't think it matters for a running back. I think it matters for wide receiver. I think because DK Metcalf ran a really fast 40 last year and fell in the second round. That's because of the three cone that Chris was talking about. Turns it's out. Really, I mean, like, I mean, I'm just, just for the listener who might not be totally locked into the combine, like, you're not just like, like, of course everyone, you like watching the 40, but I'm saying like, you don't look at the 40 and come away and be like, oh, he ran a fast 40, we're fine. Like, it, like, That's all right. the other stuff matters as part of the package, right? 
Absolutely, and DK's issue was that he didn't look particularly flexible when he ran that really slow three-cone that was literally slower than Tom Brady's when he ran his pro day. And if you go look up Tom Brady's combine performance, you would think that DK Metcalf must have been in a wheelchair to be worse than that three-cone drill. But um turns out he had a pretty good season, and you know we talked about this on the podcast a month or so ago when the Seattle the Seahawks were in the playoffs. Um, he went to the late second round. The running the wide receivers that went in front of him were actually really good wide receivers, except for uh, Arcega Whiteside. But um, if he had gone earlier, DK Metcalf, I think any, no one would have been like, "Oh, that's a terrible pick." I, I think some some of that had to do with the injury history. He had a neck injury history, and and of course the the slowish three cone drill. Uh, all right. So the Broncos and the Rams are not sending their assistants to the combine. Uh, in the words of, uh, what's the character from SNL? What up with that? Who's that? Is that a new SNL uh, character? Uh, Keenan, um, what's his name? Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Uh, he used to have that crazy show on Nickelodeon. Cal and Keenan, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keenan and Cal. Yeah, yeah. The guy Keenan from that. Thompson, thank you, D. Keenan Thompson, there you go. Nice. Um, he has, he's like the, he's the host. He's like, what up with that? Oh, is he the stand-up reporter that does all the... No, no, no. He's a host of like a video game show. I think he's right. And that is, oh, anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. I'll find the bit. Okay. Um, so what do you ask? Oh, yeah. So I think that with the, the, the instance with the Rams, they have new coordinators and so the coordinators are hanging back because, uh, they got rid of the old coordinators and, and they're sort of getting caught up on their duties, which makes sense. And who's the other team you mentioned? Uh, Broncos and Rams are the two the teams. The Broncos. And I think the Broncos conversation went something like uh you can get the same tape that everyone else has by being there stay home and study the the players you don't know anything about as assistant coaches because the season just ended a few weeks ago it's a little weird i mean like it's like are you just like you're you're basically skipping the biggest like networking convention of your year i mean you got a job so i don't know if i'm gonna be networking um i know what you're saying um i do know that some assistant coaches are only going to be there for three days so i think it depends uh what what you're jobs are and what you're looking to accomplish but yeah you're right i mean it, it look the thing on the calendar once a year like the senior bowl you go out there with the intentions of doing a little work and, and doing a little catching up and all that other stuff but uh the, the broncos aren't wrong in that you can get probably just as much done if not more so probably more so because you, you have access to more tape and you're not distracted and all that other stuff it's like anytime somebody works in an office like they're gonna be way less productive than the people who don't <laughs> The interesting thing is that Oh yeah. Hey, so what are the uh what are the Broncos and Rams have in common with me? Uh you guys will be at home watching tape. Yeah, watching on the, the broadcast. Grind eating tape at home. But look, maybe you're a trendsetter. I'm gonna dip my tape in horseradish. Maybe you're a trendsetter. Five years from now there could be half the league decides to stay home as the NFL makes this a primetime event. Again, less about the teams and the media, more about the 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 viewer at home and maybe you're you're on to something here. Yeah, yeah, I think, was yeah. like I think this is like the wave of the future, so to speak, because like kind of Ryan was just saying, uh, most of what teams need to get from the combine are all the numbers, and like they're out there on the internet, we all see them. I'm a little surprised that the head coaches that Sean McVay and Vic Fangio don't want their assistants in on like the interviews because everyone always says, oh, the interviews are the most important part and the medicals. Uh, but those will be all those interviews will be probably held by the head coaches and the GM and recorded so assistant coaches can see all that. I could see, like Ryan said, five, ten years where it's like half, if not the entire league beyond GMs and head coaches sit home watch films, spend that week with their families um, a little bit more, and then really dive into all the numbers after everything is out in its entirety. 
What? Uh, let's talk about some guys on this combine primer of yours. You got a uh, burning questions answered, which prospects will erupt, who needs a big workout, and more. Uh, let's try and hit a couple of these guys. So these are a list of four guys, traps that you think will explode, erupt at the combine. Clemson linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons. Dude, is huge. He plays all over the place. Iowa offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs. Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor and Lenore Ryan. Lenore Ryan, get out of here. Uh, Kyle Duggar, linebacker and safety. Uh, give me, uh, give me one guy off that list that you think is really going to blow up and then Ryan follow with somebody else. Yeah, I'll go with the easy one, Isaiah Simmons. Um, and a lot of people are comparing him to, and it's the easy comparison to Derwin James. Um, so I'm going to be watching to see if Isaiah Simmons, like how he tests compared to Derwin James, who was like just under 6'2 and 215 pounds. Simmons is supposed to be bigger. Um, but Derwin James ran 447 and had a 40 inch vertical and 11 foot broad jump. It's like all like 90th percentile and higher. So even if Simmons is a little bit bigger, I want to see how close he is to Derwin James. They're similar type players, these hybrids. And by the way, Will, how close are you to Hickory, North Carolina? Because that's where Lenore Ryan is. Yeah, I'm extremely close. Uh, I grew up like an hour from Hickory, I think. Uh, there's a great, um, oh God, what's the name of it? They make, uh, they don't make Silent Night. What's the, uh, Hickory? My buddy Alex, Alec Campbell, who works at 999 is from Hickory. Uh, what is the name of the brewery? I used to, I used to drink their beer a lot more, but, oh, it's Old Hickory Brewing. So. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kyle Duggar's going to have a big week, too. He's kind of like Isaiah Simmons light. Like, he's safety linebacker, looks ridiculous on this film that I've seen on Division Two fields. Uh, but I think he's another one, like, could run in the 4-4s and have a 40-inch vertical, and we could be talking about him uh, as a second-round pick after the combine. Strong strong effort, too, to humble brag that you watch D2 film. That's what you want. I found some. I did find some. Yeah, yeah I was going to do Kyle Duggar, but, but Chris told it. Um, I saw. Would you have you watched Kyle Duggar? Are you being serious? Yeah, yeah, I saw him play Mars Hill. Oh, really? Out out near Asheville. Uh, he was at the he was at the um, Senior Bowl too. Oh, you went and watched the game in person? No, 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 no. I saw the tape of it, but I, oh. he was at the Senior Bowl and people were talking up then. So whenever that was a few weeks ago. All right, um, I'm out on Kyle Duggar then. This guy's got too much hype. Know about Kyle Duggar, Lenore Ryan. I think that'd be your go-to guy. But I'll talk about Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. I think he's five eleven, two seventeen is the last. We'll see what he's he's listed at. Um, next week. But he could run sub 4-4, and um, that'll be fun to watch. Again, it doesn't really matter, but I want to see these running backs run really really fast. J.K. Tobbins out of Ohio State could run really well. DeAndre Swift may be the slowest of the bunch, but that, again, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I love I love Jonathan Taylor, and I want to see which one of these guys sort of separates themselves in the coming weeks and which one's going to end up being the first one taken. I don't think they're going to go in the first round, but you never know. I think Bre- uh, Brinson, your last mock draft, you had the Chiefs taking a running back. Is that right? Sure, sounds right. <laughs> but I mean, I think I would love something yeah. like Chiefs to take a running back just to add one more weapon offensively to an offense that's already unstoppable. All right. So, do you, what, if I said over under one and a half backs in the first round, you take the under? Way under. Under. How about yeah. Under, under half. That's a good one. I would say like over under pick 40 on a running back. Oh, that's good. The first running back taken over under 40 and a half. Draft spot. Uh, who will be the fastest runner at the combine? The candidates are Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs, TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager, Western Michigan running back Levante Bellamy, and TCU cornerback Jeff Gladney. Who you got, Traps? I think, uh, man, it's tough. I would say Jeff Gladney from TCU, and it's crazy that there's two guys on the same team. 
um, in this list. I mean, there's usually like just some obscure corner that ends up running like four two seven. Um, these are all relatively well known names, um, but Gladney's like 180 pounds, so you kind of have to not just look at who's like looks fast on film, but like who has the body type. A lot of guys like over 200 pounds are not going to run in the four twos. So Gladney's like six foot 180. Um, really light feet, very explosive. I don't really think ever I saw him on film getting like completely just blown away, um, by another wide receiver. So I, I could see Gladney running somewhere in the high four twos, low four threes. Last year we had seven wide receivers run in the four threes, 11 run more, or run in the four fours. So it, it was a really fast group last year. I think in general, the wide receivers and then some of these cornerbacks will one will run really, really fast. Yeah, no, I'm interested to see these guys, too. Uh, I actually did see Levante Bellamy play in person, Brentson, when Western Michigan came to Syracuse in the, in the fall and actually gave Syracuse a good game because Syracuse football was not very good in 2019. Um, so, yeah, he's a little small guy. I don't know what his draft status is going to be. He'll probably be a day three guy because he's not going to be anyone that you, that you can rely on to block consistently. But he's a small, fast sort of burner type, and you know, there's always need for speed, but you'll see how you make that fit. There are plenty of guys, as Chris was talking about, that, that can run really well at the combine. It doesn't necessarily translate to NFL. But um, like I said, I'm a sucker for watching 40 times, so I will happily watch all that. By the way, Jeff Gladney, I think he like uh, squats something insane, like 500 or 600 pounds, something nuts. So even though he's listed like 180, 183, maybe that's not an issue, and I think he can add some, some weight. But typically, you don't want those cornerbacks to be that light. He's six mm-hmm. feet tall, so that's okay, but... Um, he seems to be pretty strong, and as Chris pointed out, rarely did you see him getting manhandled. In fact, I don't think I, I remember an instance where that happened. Um, usually he was actually playing pretty physically, and um, you know that's a good thing for him. All right. Uh, and feel free, if you want to you know, break, you, know, you can always veer off a traps list. If there's somebody else you think that could sneak in at any time. Um, quarterbacks that can move up the board. You go know, with Utah State's Jordan Love or Oregon State's Jake Luton. Is that right? Luton? Luton! Uh, is it Lutton? Jake, I think it's Lutton, actually. Um, he's just like a, like a bigger, like six foot seven, like Brock Osweiler type that I could see with a big arm that I could see moving up. I'll go with Jordan Love, though. I mean, that's the obvious one. And, and from day one that he announced that he was going to enter this draft class, everyone drew the Patrick Mahomes comparison or stylistic comparison. Obviously not as talented, but he can really flick the football, effortless arm strength. Um, some bad decisions, some wayward accuracy, but in terms of the NFL at the quarterback spot, kind of moving to being more improvisational and you have to make plays outside of the structure um, of the play design, Jordan Love is right up there close to Joe Burrow. Like, he makes crazy plays outside the pocket. Um, so I could see because Tua's probably not going to do anything. Joe Burrow's probably not going to throw. Herbert probably will and has a good arm. But Jordan Love is kind of this guy sitting there that, that has a huge opportunity, and I think he's going to jump on it. We're going to like the arm strength and him throwing on the run. So he, to me, after the draft, will say he could be that one guy. There's always one quarterback that moves up throughout the draft process. I think it's going to be Jordan Love this year. Yeah, I'd like um, Anthony Gordon out of Washington State. Um, he sort of didn't come out of nowhere. He played at Washington State, played in that air raid offense with Mike Leach. He only threw like four or five passes in 2018 because he was sitting behind your, your boy. Um, Gardner Minshew and Gardner Minshew's uh, dad, who's super jacked. But um, he threw 48 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, I think. I think he – I don't remember the, the the number of yards, passing yards he threw for, but it was off the charts, uh, what you would expect in an air raid system. And I talked to him in the Senior Bowl about 
the lack of experience. And he said, well, I mean, I basically stuck three years into one year, given the four million attempts I had during the 2019 season. And um, he had a really good senior bowl. And I would actually argue that he played better in the game than Justin Herbert, who won the MVP. And that's okay. Justin Herbert got the MVP the same reason Daniel Jones got it last year, because you sort of knew who that was. And, and that was a, a good storyline. But uh, Anthony Gordon can follow up a good senior bowl with another good week at the Combine. And I don't know if he's into the day two conversation yet, but he could be. And he, he's a really fun kid to watch. And when he makes good decisions, he's he's dangerous. And the issue is arm strength, so we'll see how that works out. It worked out okay for Gardner Minshew last year. So, And I think um, – actually, I think he's a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. So we'll see. But Anthony Gordon's a guy to watch if you're looking for a quarterback whose name you don't recognize immediately. All right, we already mentioned a uh, a freaking linebacker from – Lenore Ryan, but we still got some under the radar prospects that we need to hit, uh, who could emerge after the combine. And I assume these guys, you mean these guys could step up, do pretty well at the combine and start to see their draft stock rise as we get, uh, further out. Uh, Boise State offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland, Notre Dame quarterback Troy Pride, Oklahoma defensive tackle uh, Neville Gallimore, Auburn cornerback <laughs> Noah Igbenogany. Put his cursor over it on the rundown too, making it even more impossible to read it. How do I pronounce his last name? Igbenogany. Igbenogany. I like that. That's yeah. It's like once you get it, it kind of rolls off the tongue. But like yeah. at first, I had to like research. I was like, how in the hell do you say this? Yeah. Uh, may I recommend that if you do any video down at the uh, Cedar Bowl or down at the the combine? I mean, I won't be there to tell you then, so I'll tell you now. Uh, that I would I would recommend that you don't include him on your list of people. Yeah. Then you got to think about it during the show. Yeah, so that's a good point. That. Yeah. That's a uh, Colorado, Colorado linebacker Davion Taylor. Who? Uh, who? One of the, pick one of these guys that could sort of rise as we move out of the combine. Well, I'll I'll stick with uh, Noah Egbenogany in the fact that he is relatively oh, new. traps. Yeah, he's relatively new. I've just been like obsessed with this guy because I like saw the name. How do you say it? Like like had to look it up and then watch his film. And he started at wide receiver. Ed Auburn's only played corner for two years. And in the SEC, like, Auburn played LSU tough. They played Florida tough. Like, they had – they obviously beat Alabama. And you just see this cornerback that at six foot and around 200 pounds was, like, staying with some of these upper echelon wide receivers uh, in the SEC. He's got crazy change of direction skills, speed down the field. Then doing some research on him, his parents were both Olympic athletes. His mom – uh, got a bronze medal in a relay in like the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. So he has the genes and he, like, I'm not going to say that, that, that he's going to be like the third cornerback off the board, but if we're talking strictly about the combine, I think he could be someone that is really off the radar for the most part for most people, um, that have not like researched how to say his name yet, but he could run like four, four and jump 42 inches. And then we're talking about like a Byron Jones that was kind of off the radar, crazy combine, ends up going in the first round. That might be a little bit too rich for, for um, Igbenogany, but I think he's a, a good player that's a little bit raw and is going to crush the combine. Uh, no, um, or I would not have, by the way, I would not have uh, put money down that I would be able to pronounce Noah Igbenogany before I was able to get Tua Tungvialoa. God dang it. Tung Ovialoa. Is that right? No. <laughs> Ryan shaking his head. <laughs> Tung just, you're, you're making it complicated. Tong o vi lo wa. Tong o vi lo wa. Okay. That's it. Okay. I'm sure it'll be fine the next time. So listen, tong o, and then just remember the instrument viola. Boom, done. Look at that. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Ryan, who do you uh, see emerging? 
I was going to say on, on Traps' list, I, I like Neville Gallimore there, the defensive tackle at Oklahoma. He dropped 30 pounds over the course of his career at Oklahoma. And last year, Quentin Williams, who was 303 pounds, I think, when he showed up in Indy, ran a 4.83. Um, Gallimore has been timed in sub 4.8 range. So that'll be fun. Again, fat guys running fast. I love it. And uh, one of the big guys, right? Oh, guys. sorry. Yes. Remember what, uh, our Don- buddy Donald Penn told us at the Super Bowl? Well, you said right to his face, Hey, do you like those fat guy touchdowns? I said big men touchdowns. He's like, I don't like that term. I was like, you know what? You can call it whatever you want on my set because you could kill me with your bare hands. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge individual. Um, very nice though. Oh, great guy. Um, and one other guy that's not on Traps' list, but a guy that, um, really balled out at the senior bowl and I suspect he will continue to do so. Uh, as much as you can at the combine is Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor. He's 6'3", I think 2'10", 215, something like that. Extremely physical. Showed his athleticism down the field in the drills of the Senior Bowl. And um, we'll see where he gets drafted, but he, he's a fun guy to watch in an extremely deep wide receiver class. So uh, one more name to add to your list along with Noah. What's his, what is it, Brenton? Uh, traps. Igbenogany. There you go. It sounds a lot like mahogany. What? Yeah, like when you're on like HQ next week or whatever, then you just let it roll off your tongue and be like, "Yeah, I've I've known this for months." Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Nope. Sure. Uh, who needs a who needs to boost their stock at the combine? Uh, you got four guys on here: Utah Edge, Bradley. That's even harder than Igbenogany. Uh Anaya, Anai, 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 Anai. Okay, that's easy. Uh, Clemson wide receiver T Higgins. Love me some T Higgins. I want to see Hello. this. I'm not as high as you are on him, Traps. I think you have him as your wide receiver. Read the next name. I want to hear the next name. <laughs> Michigan State Edge. <laughs> Kenny Willikies. Oh, that's pretty good. Is that yeah. it? Willikies. Yeah, Willikies. When in doubt, just go pure south on it. Kenny Willikies. There you go. Well done. Uh, and Oregon linebacker Troy Die. Uh, who out of that list needs to, or bo- needs to boost their stock, Traps? I'll go with T. Higgins. Yeah, I mean, I have him as my number one wide receiver right now, um, which is is kind of against the consensus. But it's a huge week for him because Jerry Judy's going to run fast. Henry Ruggs is probably going to set the combine record. Like uh, Ryan said earlier, Jalen Rager, um, even maybe Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Like this wide receiver class is not only really good, but there's a lot of like track guys basically. But Higgins is different. He's 6'4", 215. He needs – I mean, he's not going to run – close to probably C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, he just needs to run faster than 4-5. That, that at, at being a bigger wide receiver, um, that's kind of the benchmark or the threshold. Um, over the last 10 years, 60 wide receivers taller than uh, 6'3 have run slower than 4-5. So of that 60, only two guys have gone in the first round, Calvin Benjamin and Mike Evans. And they were like 231 and 240. Higgins isn't that big. 41 receivers, 6'3 or taller, have run under 4'5", and six of them went in the first round. So if you see like 4'5'3 for T. Higgins, he's probably not going to go in the first round when he's kind of been the cons- uh, consensus first-round guy. So he doesn't need to run 4-3. He's not going to be as fast as Jerry Judy and those guys, but at least 4-4-9 would get him inside the first round, almost lock him inside the first 32 picks. Mm. I think one of the problems I have with Higgins in the first – I don't mind Higgins going to the first round. I, I, I really like T. Higgins. But, I mean, I think that part of the problem is the depth of this wide receiver class I think could end up 
we'll see it a little bit like last year. Even though the top guys are, are more elite than what we had coming out last season, I do think we'll see some guys slip into the second round because teams believe they can take a, you know, they can take a player at a, you know, like offensive line and then come back and get a wide receiver in the second round without a huge drop off. Just, just my thought on the economics of it. But look, Higgins, if he tests really well and he has a great lead up to the draft, he could be a first rounder for sure. Right. Your list. Oh yeah, I thought we were gonna break. That's why I was uh, I was hesitating. No, I just I agree with that. My only issue with T. Higgins, and I think traps it on the, all the major points. I know he's coming at it from a Bills perspective because they do need someone taller than four feet tall running routes in Buffalo, and I get that. <laughs> I just don't know how good is T. Higgins going to be when he faces legit press coverage when he played in the ACC. I mean, he dominated the dominated UVA in the AFC Championship game, and I'd have been upset if he hadn't dominated UVA in the AFC Championship game. But we just don't know. Unlike Judy, for example, who faced the best cornerbacks week in and week out in the SEC. So that's my only question, and I, I do want to see more of him, but I do like him. All right. Ryan mentioned a break. Let's take one. When we come back, we'll talk a little mock draft because you can't get enough mock drafts. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so the latest mock draft for Ryan Wilson, number 24 on the year. 25. Congratulations. Uh, you, this is your, um, it was, silver? Sure. What do I get? A silver watch? No, you get <laughs> a silver mock draft. All right. I'll uh, tell you. Is silver is, is silver, is that the anniversary? 25 years? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Silver. 25 years. Yeah. How long have you been married, Ryan? You know, it's funny. Uh, Prisco said at the Super Bowl, he goes, uh, when's my next anniversary? I'm going to be married 20 years. Like, God, Pete, you're old. And I did the math. Next, my next anniversary, I'll be married 19 years. So. Wow. What are you going to do for your 19th? What do you do for 20, you know? Yeah, I'll save it for 20. What's the 20th anniversary? Uh, wooden? Is it? <laughs> I'm serious. It's something weird. Uh, I think the first one is paper or something. It's so weird. But, uh, is it yeah. No. Now I've just got a, oh, here we go. Let's see. The traditional wedding anniversaries. Yes, you're right. First is paper. Debo, you should write all this down. Second yep. is cotton. Third is leather. Yay, yay, yay. Hey, now. Uh, 20 is, uh, China and platinum. All right. Uh, Traps, how long have you been married? It's going to be five years. And I just looked it up too. And it says the fifth anniversary is also the wood anniversary. Fifth so is wood, not 20. Wood. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So That's fifth is wood. Not... But now the, the modern approach is silverware. Gotcha. Fourth is appliances. That's what you really <laughs> want to do. If you've been married four <laughs> years, is get your wife a, like a, oh. <laughs> a crock pot. And I love a crock pot. I'm not, I'm not, not. Uh, how long are you, how, I should say, how long is AK into this thing for? Uh, we are eight years. What does that get you? Uh, eight is linens or lace. Oh, I think right. that actually means like hand, like lace, hand linens. 
Right. Uh, none of this stuff is particularly enticing, to be honest. I love it's like 60th is diamond and so is 75th. Like, you know what? How about it's, how about after we've been married 75 years? How about I'm going to go play a round of golf on our anniversary? How about that? All right. 75 is oxygen tank. I think I actually played golf on our uh, sixth anniversary. It made, we were down at the beach with all, with all my in-laws and it made everyone, uh, very unhappy. And yet you went. AK's, uh, my father-in-law owns a funeral home. <laughs> so I got a, uh, as a joke, I got a, uh, a balloon of a, like a, like a, like a, a skeleton balloon. It didn't. It was really. It was. <laughs> yeah, what, what's your plan? Like, are you trying to make people angry? Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Plan. It works. Um, so <laughs> who are your top five picks? Oh, I got crazy. Brinson style again in this mock draft. This is the last one I think I'm going to crazy on because I, I feel like when we come out of this combine that uh, people are going to be tempering their enthusiasm about Tua's hip. So that's just a, really? on, on my part. So this will probably. That would be a big deal. Yeah, well, we don't know, and we'll, we'll find out, and I'm sure there'll be murmurs there, and we'll see what, what Pete Prisco says and and so on and so forth. But this is the last, I feel like the last trade where I have the Dolphins moving up. So I have them moving up to number three, trading with the Lions to get Tua, and I'll throw this this out at you as compensation. The Lions get picked number five, number 26, and a 2021 fourth rounder, and Dolphins move up to number three. So they can take Tua and the Lions. I have them taking Derek Brown at number five, and then they also have them taking Terrell Lewis, the edge rusher, at number 26. Here's the thing about the Dolphins and the Lions trade that I think that we haven't properly examined. If the Redskins take Chase Young and you're the Dolphins, I don't think you need to worry about trading up. I don't think the Chargers and Panthers are going to take pay the cost it gets to get to three to take Tua. I just don't think they're going to do it. The Panthers, in my opinion, cannot sacrifice a future first round pick. Like your team is not going to be good enough next year where you can, you can think that giving up a first round pick, you'll be safe and that won't be a top five pick. Uh, the Chargers, they don't trade up and you know, you don't have to worry about number four because Dave Gettleman will never trade down. He won't trade out his draft spot. So I think if you're the Dolphins, maybe you get a little more comfortable at the idea of if no one goes up to the Redskins pick, that you can safely sit there at five and get to it. Thoughts? If you're Tom Telesco in that new stadium, that's going to be under capacity by about 85% uh, because the Chargers are terrible and they're starting Tyrod Taylor. Are you then forced into trading up for Justin Herbert because you need someone to throw out there to the Lions so you can get people in the stands and to have an excuse for why the team is going in the direction that it's going? That's my only. Uh, but you can just get Herbert at six. I mean. Yeah, that's true. I, I was sort of thinking, like, what happens if two is off the table? Then I think things get interesting. Yeah, yeah and the one thing that, like, uh, Ryan was saying, which we'll see here at the combine, like, everything with his hip, watching to his film, like, crazy precision passer, knows where to go with the football. He's not really good in terms of ad-libbing and creating outside the pocket. So if his hip is, like, not 100% or maybe, like, never the same again, I think that makes him – more of a structured quarterback and that's kind of speaking to Ryan's point like that we could kind of be cooled on, on like oh yeah two is going you know number two with the Dolphins trading up because for as good as inside the pocket as he is he doesn't have a big arm um is he going to be able to create as much torque with the football down the field with that hip injury and when things break down you're almost getting like no scrambling ability or less than you know a traditional number two or number three overall pick at the quarterback spot Fair enough. I just don't know that, like, if you have concerns about the medicals, that you can afford to give up the the cost to get up. Like, if if I'm the Dolphins, 
and I think that there's a 40% chance Tua can drop to me at five, I'm going to roll the dice and sit there and hope that I can keep those three first round picks. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, I mean, those are, those are really valuable picks for a team that's trying to rebuild as, as quickly as they are. Uh, all right. So you mentioned, uh, did you mention, did you list your full top five? Would you start? Yeah, you got it, right? Yeah. Uh, Burrow, Chase Young to the Redskins, Tua to the Dolphins, Jeffrey Akuda to the Giants, and then Derek Brown to the, to, excuse me, Akuda to the Giants, Derek Brown to the Lions. Let me mention one more thing in honor of Debo. I have the Eagles trading up from, from number 21 to number 15 with the Broncos. The Broncos get that 21st pick, a number 85 pick, and a number 151. The Eagles get number 15, and the Eagles take C.D. Lamb. Ooh, I like that. Nice one. C.D. Lamb with Carson Wentz would be fun. By the way, uh, just really quickly back on Tua, he had, did an interview with Steve Weish, of the venerable Steve Weish of uh, the NFL network, NFL media, and he asked, he was asked about if you're, he said, if you're saying to me, if I can choose what team I want to play on as far as my favorite team growing up, then I'd probably tell you the Cowboys. I'm not trying to bump him. That's meaning Dak. I'm, I'll learn under him. I'll handle it the way that the coaches there want to handle it. Honestly, I just want to be able to play again. I wouldn't mind learning under whatever guy is the, that's the starter. Give me a whole year to rest up and then go back out and compete, but I just want to go back out and play. So a couple of things about that quote. One, I think it's good. You know what I mean? Like, well, one, people are going to read into it different ways and say, he doesn't want to compete. He doesn't want it enough. He doesn't love the game. Not a football guy. Not an alpha male. You can predict whoever, you know, you can guess whoever I'm talking I, about there. Fire in his belly. Yeah. Then have the fire in his belly that I want for a quarterback. A man. A real man. <laughs> I'm 40. 65. Um, that's Prisco, by the way. Uh, the, <laughs> the other thing is like, if Tua thinks he needs a whole, he didn't say like a year to learn. He said a year to rest up. Yeah. That is a red flag to me. That was huge to me. That was like the first thing was, okay, he likes the Cowboys growing up. He's not going to get drafted by them. Nothing about Dak. But then when he said like, oh, I'm like, what other quarterback prospect, a top guy that I I can't remember any other one that's been like, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm coming off an injury, but I'll sit a whole year. Like, that's what teams, maybe like the Dolphins or any other team considering Tua is probably worried about. Like, is this guy going to not be ready until 2021? Then he kind of throws it out there. That was a huge red flag when I saw that quote. What if he's playing four-dimensional chess and he doesn't want the Dolphins to draft him? That could be. The weirdest thing about this Tua thing and then Joe Burrow maybe not wanting to go to the Bengals, like, I get it. These are obviously teams that have not been very good. That's why they're picking so high. But I'm a big person on, like, you have to go to a place where the expectations are not, like, through the roof right away. Like, any of those teams would want Tua or Burrow to elevate them to the playoffs or whatever. But this is not like you're you're coming in after Tom Brady. Like, if the Bengals win six or seven games next year with Joe Burrow, people will be ecstatic. If the Dolphins win six or seven games with Tua Tagovailoa, then they're in a good spot and they're happy with their quarterback. So these quarterback prospects have to, like, think about the expectations and go, oh, the expectations are actually pretty low here, so I don't have to win the rookie of the year and be an MVP in my second season. And the franchise, the ownership, the fan base will actually, you know, take a liking to me right away. That's kind of how I look at it. That's why I would love to see Jordan Love in New Orleans. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be a perfect fit. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Love in New Orleans. But you had the Colts trading up for Jordan Love in this draft, didn't you, Brian? Yep, they swapped picks with the Jets at number. The Jets traded down from number eleven. They wanted to get offensive line help and some draft picks. The Jets did, so they traded down from eleven to thirteen. Got Andrew Thomas. The Colts traded up for Jordan Love at number eleven because 
Uh, no matter what they say about Jacoby Brissett, he still has one year left on his deal, and they have some decisions to make there. The Jets get number 13 and number 75. The Colts get number 11 and number 110 to make that deal. So those were the three trades, um, the three, the six teams trading the three trades there, if you will, uh, in the first round of my latest mock draft. You can see it at cbsports.com. Hmm. How different do you think this draft will, this mock draft will look between now and next Monday? Um, not so much different. I thought I was going to say between now and the start of free agency, which will be 100% different other than the first. Oh, once free agency happens, like March, April 1st, your, your mock draft, you're like, you go back and look at the ones you did in like the, like, you know, the, the, during the season and then like right now and you're like, what was I thinking? Like these are terrible. And I mean, that's just sort of the, the nature of the business. Yeah. So you, you, you know, we'll see what happens, but I don't think there'll be that much change. Um, of course, last year when DK Metcalf ran the 4-3-3, I think, um, I had him going in like top five or something crazy like that, uh, right after the combine. And, and then that, that tempered as we get close to the draft, but there'll probably be some over corrections early on. But, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, if we've seen Henry, Henry Ruggs has typically been in the first round, three so runs a 4-2-9, he'll still be there. Now, if Henry Ruggs runs a 4-6, he will not be in the first round going forward. So mm-hmm. that could be something going the other way, but I don't think, I think he can run a 4-6 if he just ran on his hands. What do you think, Traps? It's not your mock draft, but how different, how much, how, like if somebody blows up at the combine, do you lock him into the first round? Do you slide him up, down? Do you try to be a little more? Cause I mean, it's, it's just, we have to do so many of these mock drafts. Sometimes it's just easier, not like you, not like you want to be reactionary, but like you do sort of want to react to what you just saw to make it sort of newsworthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, kind of what I was saying earlier about Noah Igbenogany that, the Byron Jones type of ascension that Byron Jones was this random cornerback from yeah, UConn. Yeah. yeah. He like 43, uh, he shredded in the, the combine. Yeah. Absolutely. Like has, I think he has like almost like the, a world record still for the broad jump, like 12 feet in the broad jump, yep. 43 inches in the vertical ran in the four fours, whatever that after that, there's always like three to five guys that are like, okay, maybe day two picks that like everyone's saying this guy's going to go in the first round because of his athleticism. And to Ryan's point, if Henry Ruggs runs in the four twos, I think you can lock him inside like the top twenty. There's not four twos. If he if Henry Ruggs runs in the four twos. Is he gonna run in the four twos? He might run sub four three. Let's get out and stop it. Four two. They, they tied him up four three last year at the Alabama Pro Day. All I'm saying is, is that if, if there are these prospects, you're like, okay, Henry Ruggs probably in the first round back end, but if he runs in the four twos or runs four three flat, then you can kind of move him up like a tier into that pick 12 to pick 20 range. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. that. I mean, it's like, you know, if I started being a good husband and father, then I would move, I would slide up the scale of like exactly. parenting. Um, what, uh, give me one pick outside of the top 20 right now that could see that, that could skyrocket up and maybe it's rugs. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, somebody else. Yeah, outside of rugs, I'll go with Austin Jackson from USC, the offensive tackle. If you watch his film, like he, he's, Long and really athletic. He doesn't look very strong and he can't really deal with power. But for the combine, I, I think he could test as one of the best offensive tackles. It's a good offensive tackle class. But usually, you know, historically, the really, really high-end offensive linemen usually go in the first round. Ryan has him outside the top 20. I could see if he's, you know, say a top three performer in most of the drills at offensive tackle with Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas, if Austin Jackson is up there because of the length, because of the size and just kind of the 
quote unquote upside. I think he could move into, you know, inside the top 20 and, and be one of the first offensive tackles off the board. Yeah, he's a crazy athlete. Um, two guys that you can sort of keep an eye on and they are sort of getting talked about more now than, than before. They're both at the senior bowl. Uh, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, who's an edge rusher who can also play inside a linebacker and Josh Uche out of Michigan, who is sort of an edge guy undersized. Both guys are extremely quick, extremely active. High productivity guys, and um, you know you never have enough edge rushers. This edge rushing class isn't nearly as good as last year's, so they have an opportunity to to make themselves some money, as they say, with a good showing at the combine. And, and I suspect those guys will be day two picks. Worst case, um, one or both could even sneak into the first round, depending on how the things fall above them with the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, and, and you know team needs and all that. But those are two guys that um, just to keep an eye out on. Uh, how about one guy? Inside the top ten, that could tumble a little bit with a bad with a bad combo. All right, I'm going to go with Jedrick Wills from Alabama, and then we're talking about Ryan's got him going number seven to the Panthers in this latest one. Yeah, so we're talking about top ten guys, and at this point, there's already kind of formulated a consensus of like these are the locks, which we know, like we said, free agency, combine, pro days, things happen every year. And I'm in the minority. I've read so many things, seen so many tweets. Like, Jedrick Wills is, like, the freakiest athlete. He is, like, a tight end playing right tackle. I do not see that. I think he's fundamentally sound. He's super strong. I think he's a little slow-footed, though. That's, like, the one weakness I have for him. Um, and like I said before, talking about Austin Jackson, after a wide receiver class, this offensive tackle class is loaded. So if Jedrick Wills isn't a top performer at the combine, even if he – doesn't totally tank and have an Orlando Brown type performance. I could see him falling outside the top 10 and, and maybe someone like Austin Jackson moving in, kind of replacing him inside the top 10. This might be kind of hot takey, but I think Isaiah Simmons may not be a top 10 pick in every NFL team's eyes. I've talked to some um, personnel folks who didn't love him. Like I was actually shocked. I actually wow. I was, So Isaiah Simmons slam dunk, right? And he's like, uh, no, I don't think he tackles very well. I don't think he covers very well in space. Oh, He's a zone defender. Can he play deep safety? And uh, the list goes on and on. I was like, okay, um, all right, I'll, I'll take a closer look. And I, I look closer, and Isaiah Simmons looked exactly the same as he did before. But that's me, and you know, NFL teams may feel differently. So we'll see if he is, in fact, a top-five guy. Um, but you know, if he runs a 4-6, that's a different conversation. I don't think he will run a 4-6. Well, the one thing about Simmons, though, I mean, it was talking about expectations with quarterbacks before. I mean, the expectations are that Simmons is going to just completely blow up the combine. So if he, like, the standard is set for him to just have, like, a Saquon Barkley performance. If he has a really, really good performance, but it's not, like, 4-4 flat, 40-inch vertical, 11-foot broad jump, crazy three-cone, then I think, to Ryan's point, that's where we could see, okay, probably not a top five or a top seven pick, maybe more, like, 7 to 15 range for Isaiah Simmons, kind of this hybrid linebacker safety. All right. There it is. That's a combine preview. Anything else you guys want to uh, throw out there to uh, to look at in Indianapolis as you're enjoying the lovely weather, the beautiful Midwestern sensibilities of a, one of my favorite towns in America, the horseradish that coats the landlocked shrimp at St. Elmo's. All the you know, drinks are flowing, fun times with good friends. Anything else you want to add? No. I'm sorry you're not going to be there. That's, that's going to be the worst part of it. Yeah, that's the biggest bummer for sure. You don't have to lie to me. No, you need it right now. I'm going to miss it. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? I need to spend some time with my family. <laughs> How do they feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Uh, all right. That's it for the combine preview. We will be back tomorrow on Tuesday. 
Uh, I don't. Um, are you hosting on Tuesday? I don't know what's happening. I'd be a Super Friends. I think. I think you guys. I think there's a Super Friends on Tuesday, and then. Uh, Debo, what's happening the rest of the week? I didn't look at the rundown, sorry. Super Friends Tuesday. Ryan will be leading the charge um, from Indianapolis on mm. Wednesday. Yes, from Indy on Wednesday and Thursday. Live and in Indianapolis. We're going to catch up with Ryan on, on Thursday night about that first primetime action, so that'll be a late night I, for us. I am excited that like I'm not going to Indy, but I still have to record a podcast at midnight on Thursday after the quarterbacks throw against air. I'm really that's That's awesome. I can sense it. <laughs> I'm in a perfectly fine mood about this. I'm just, I apologize in advance if it populated the podcast too. I long. wonder if uh, Debo gets hazard pay for having to deal with, with he your deserves it. He deserves it. Uh, you know what? I I think that Debo and my wife they've never met. They need to meet. Just so, so like, just to, you know, so they can spend some time and like, Swap some you know, stories. Un- unload the burden of having to deal with me that for this frequently. Uh, yeah, I'm having these crazy, like, they're going to run off together and leave you by yourself and then you'll have to move it. Yeah, that got so fast. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think, what does that make you? Like, are you the uncle? Like, what do what you become then? But that, that's a conversation for another time. I mean, do you really think that Debo's going to like up and like take off? Like, like with a, like an already married woman with a child? Like, why would you want to do that? He's they have like, so much in common. I mean, it's, it makes too much sense. It's like a, it's like a rom-com waiting to happen with Matthew McConaughey and, and whoever your wife's favorite actress is to play her. By the way, did you see the review that somebody wrote thrashing me? What did they say? I don't, I don't, I like, I don't know how long this guy had been listening to the show, but it like, I don't get, I don't get what you would, uh, I mean, like, I don't, I don't care if you write a bad review, but it was like, it made it seem like he'd been listening for a long time and just really didn't like me. Let's see. New host, please. As in, I'll keep listening if it's not Brinson. Like, how long did you have to listen before you were like finally sick of me? Like, I mean, like a week would be plenty. Do they offer any specifics? Brinson not only talks way too much, but is also the most arrogant yet still ignorant person in sports media. Hello. Thank you. Wants everyone to like him. See his Twitter responses to anyone with a check mark. Whoa. This is a Prisco. This is a Prisco burner. And then thinks his points and opinions actually matter to people. No man, you are a host. No the analyst for a reason. Take the hint. What, uh, how many stars? They probably gave you three stars still. That was a uh, five star. Get out of here. That was a one star. It's a one star. You keep rewarding these non five stars, Will. People, yeah, that's the other thing. People you have can't no not. motivation to leave these fives if you keep reading threes and ones. Well, we read them at the end, and then uh, the other, yep. the other one that was in, it was like, "Get to it, please." Ditch the witty banner at the beginning. I'm sorry, but drinking adventures on President's Day and breakfast food preferences aren't why I go to a podcast. Football content is solid. It's just annoying to fast forward to get to it. I can actually, I can understand. That I, I'm fine with that. They got a little loose on the front ends the last couple of days. We're sorry. It's the or- on. Yeah, Sean's it's Sean and Shaq's fault. Uh, look, the offseason is, is – we've got a lot of football to talk about, but the, the offseason's here. Go watch Ryan and Traps on CBS Sports HQ live from Indianapolis all week at the Combine. CBS Sports HQ on your Apple phone, uh, whatever, your Roku, Fire TV, your Smart TV. I love my new Smart TV, by the way. Highly recommend it. A little LG. The thing. Uh, and uh, Traps, enjoy Andy. Ryan, enjoy Andy. We'll talk soon, guys. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 